Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Penny Matthews, and I serve as a deacon here at Church of the Palms. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. To you, O God, shall our vows be performed. To you we sing our praises and utter our prayers. Come among us to renew your, your covenant and offer our signs. Pour out your spirit on your people gathered here that we may dream and prophesy and follow the vision you set before us. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Hear the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your doings from before me. Cease to do evil, learn to do good. Seek justice, rescue the oppressed. Defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbors, confident in God's steadfast love. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors as we used to hear the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Brothers and sisters, hear the good news. <clears throat> Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. <clears throat> and Christ died for us. <clears throat> he rose for us. He reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. So, dear friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And together, let us repeat the wonderful words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, <clears throat> maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again, from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So good to see so many back here. So let's take a moment to circulate and greet and welcome each other. Good morning. We welcome you on this beautiful fall morning. Grateful that you're with us today at Church of the Palms. Lots of great things are going on in our life, and we are glad that you're a part of our fellowship here this morning as we worship God. We'd love to have you sign the friendship pads which are in the pews and pass those to your neighbor, and hopefully you'll have a chance to put a, a new name and a new face together and, and continue your conversation after the service this morning. 
We have uh, lots of great things going on. Just this uh, yesterday, with campus was abuzz with all kinds of great things. The Early Childhood Center had their carnival back in the back 40, and that was a great success. Lots and lots of people there enjoying some great time of family fellowship. And we also had our shepherding deacons over on the other side of the campus uh, gathered together to, um, uh, to discover more about their work and their mission and to be encouraging each other in that great work. So. Lots of great things were happening yesterday and continue on today with opportunities for you to learn. We have classes that are available for you to participate in and all those are listed in your bulletin. Today we'll be receiving our two cents a meal offering, the blue baskets or the red baskets which are in uh, the back of the sanctuary and on the sides are there for you to contribute to our effort to alleviate world hunger and uh, we would love for you to help us out with that. Also, we have a coming up on Friday, our first All Saints Festival. All Saints Day is this Friday, and uh, Friday evening, uh, the congregation's gathering just to have a lot of fun together and dressing up as uh, the former saints of the church and such just to rejoice in our heritage. So uh, the details about that are in your bulletin. We uh, also want to remind you that uh, next Sunday, you turn your clock back an hour back an hour. Don't be late next Sunday. And today is Stewardship Dedication Sunday. This is our chance to bring forth our commitments, our financial commitments uh, to the Lord as we prepare for the year ahead. You have been hearing about our effort to pass the baton and you'll see more of that a little bit later on in our service, but we invite you to hold your commitment cards until the end of the service during our last anthem. We will be given the opportunity, the ushers will have plates going past you as you will have the chance to give your financial commitments to the work of the Lord. And then lastly, we have a couple of memorial services to bring to your attention this week. Uh, Willa Patrick's service is this coming Monday tomorrow at 11 a.m. And a service for Peter Phillips is on November the 1st, this Friday at 3 p.m. Let us continue our worship. Most gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for gathering us together on this Stewardship Sunday to worship you and to sing your praises and to hear your words. From our earliest days, you have been with us in life. We thank you for the gift of our lives. We thank you for parents and caregivers, teachers and mentors, friends and colleagues. We thank you, O oh God, for work and ministries to do and for the church in which we worship and honor you and for the call to equip disciples for the service of Christ, we give you thanks. For all of this and so much more, we give you thanks, our God and our Savior. As your people, we also lift up before you our concerns. Be with those who need your grace this day Bless our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, we pray. Especially we remember those who live in hazard places for difficulties and danger. Be with those who serve you in mission around the world and be with those serving in the military, we pray. We pray for all of our church family who are ill and in need of your special healing. Be with those who mourn and give them your peace and comfort, we pray. We pray all our prayers in the name of our Lord Jesus who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us bring our regular offerings together before God. And also, as it is Stewardship Sunday, please hold your 2014 pledge cards until later in the worship. At that time, you will have an opportunity to participate in passing the baton and sharing the legacy forward in the life and ministry of Church of the Palms. Let us receive our offerings today.
comes on the journey of the narrow road and those who've gone before us line the way cheering on the faithful encouraging the weary their lives a stirring testament to God's sustaining By so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race not only for the prize, but as those who've gone before us, let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly Our children sift through all we've left behind. May the clues that they discover and the memories they Let us pray. Most loving and generous God, you love us always and your blessing in our lives is beyond our understanding. At this moment in worship, we bring our token of love and gratitude to you in these offerings. Accept these with 
your grace and your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated and would the acolytes please come forward? And if you would line up right around here and face out, you can choose any step all the way around here. This is so cool. We had um, a new volunteer. Go ahead and stand up. Sorry about that. Come on, scooch down a little bit farther. I'm sorry, I'm not giving very good direction. Come on, come on. So um, a new volunteer, Fran Patterson's, designed a um, training program for our third to fifth graders. So we did a couple of weeks of this great training. And then Yoko Spivey, who is our new sanctuary coordinator, was contacting all of the older kids. Between their efforts, we have over 30 kids that want to serve as acolytes for this service and for the 11 o'clock. And we wanted to take this time today to commission them and to thank you guys so much for your gift of service. You guys have a very important role to play in our church because each morning when we come to worship on Sunday, you uh, bring forward not just a flame, but you bring something forward that's very important for us, which is a reminder that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. That's why we light those candles back there to begin our worship and to be in the presence of Christ and to know that Christ is the light of the world who shines through us for the sake of the world. So we are grateful that you carry on this very important role. Thank you for getting up early on Sunday morning to do this. That's, that's a big deal, I know. <laughs> I know that's a big <coughs> deal. So we are just so thankful for that, and we want to commission you into this very important work in the life of our church. So will you pray with me? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have given us these great acolytes, these servants of Christ who have come forward to serve you in this very special way, to serve as uh, bearers of the light into the sanctuary such that we would be reminded each and every time we gather that Christ is the light of the world and that we gather in his presence, gather in his light, such that his light might be in us, that we might reflect it to a larger world. So we pray your blessing upon them. We commission them into this very important work and bless them as they continue on in their effort to shine the light of Christ in the world. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And if you are over fifth grade, you can have a seat. And all the kids, if you would come forward for the children's moment. So third to fifth graders, you guys can have a seat here. And we'd like the other kids to come on down. And there's my friends that usually wait with me in the back. Come on down. This is so perfect that we're doing this today because we are finishing up our series on honoring God. And remember, we we're talking about honoring God with our time, which you guys all are doing, with our talents which many, many of you are doing. And today, we're going to talk about how we honor God with our treasures. I have to be honest with you. That sometimes can be tricky for us adults, honoring God with our treasures. And I was trying to figure out why that is. I think it goes back to when we're a little baby. What's one of the first words that you think a baby learns? What are some of those first words? Gavin, what do you think? Mine. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I... I thought that was going to be farther down the list. That's where I'm going with this. Anyone have any other words that babies learn? Like, yeah, come on. Mama and Dada. Thank you. Some Mama and some Dada. Hey, Addie, have a seat, babe. Absolutely. You're so right, Gavin. It's like mine. We think it's all, all belongs to us. When really, as Christians, we know that it all belongs to God, that we just get to hold it for a little while. So I have a little experiment for all of us to do, and it's for you guys to do as well. Everybody close your eyes just for one moment. What you see right now is what you get to take with you when you leave this earth. You can open your eyes. It's as simple as that. God wants us to hold on loosely and give generously. And I think he realized that we would have a problem with that because that first word that we learned right up there is that mine. So he taught us in the Bible about a tithe. Does anyone know what a tithe is? We don't talk about it a whole lot in Sunday school. A tithe is 10% of our treasure. So I've got a dime here. How many dimes in a dollar? Oh, 10. 10. How old are you? Five. Five. Excellent. They're right that there are 10 dimes in a dollar. So a tithe would say... We get to give God this 10% joyfully. Look what he gets. 
He gets a dime. Look what we get. We get 90 cents. We get all the rest of it. It is a really simple concept, but it's not easy. Someday, you may be making $100,000. And if you are, $10,000 joyfully goes to God. But you know what you get left in this hand? $90,000. It's a whole reorienting the way that we think. But here's the thing. I said that it's simple. It's not easy. It takes trusting God with everything that we are, trusting that he will take care of us to live on the 90% that we have left. So when we do that, when we trust God with our treasures, when we serve others in love with our talent, when we spend time with God, that's how we honor God with everything that we are. That's how we honor God in a really big way. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, help us to remember that everything that we have comes from you. Our time, our talents, our treasures. Help us, Lord, to trust you so that everything that we do with those things that we are honoring you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Be seated. Again, to remind you, following the sermon, we will have uh, an anthem and hymn to uh, participate within our stewardship commitment time. So we ask for you to hold on to your commitment cards until the time when the ushers come forward during our singing. We ask you to remain seated during that uh, hymn and anthem and you will be led in singing uh, at the appropriate time uh, during that, uh, that musical presentation. We also invite you then afterwards to stand at the end for our time of uh, prayer of dedication. I love that children's sermon. Mine.
That's the first word that comes out. It reminds me of the story of the, the father and the daughter on their way to church, and the father gave his daughter a quarter and a dime, and he said, you can choose which one of those you put in the offering plate. He wanted to kind of see what kind of stewardship lessons he had been teaching his daughter. So they got to church, and the offering plate went past, and the little girl put the dime into the offering plate. And after the service was over and they're on their way back home, the father said, I noticed you, you put the dime in instead of the quarter. Why, why did you do that? And the daughter said, well, I know the Lord says he, that the Lord loves a cheerful giver, and I figured I'd be much more cheerful if I gave the dime instead of the quarter. <laughs> so we're all on the journey when it comes to our stewardship here at Church of the Palms and other places. With that in mind, I invite you to hear the word of God as it comes to us from the second uh, letter of Timothy, chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. Hear the word of God. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the, de and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, Proclaim the message, be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable, convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires. They will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and carry out your ministry fully. As for me, I am already being poured out as a libation, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful in my ministry. I have sent Tychicus to Ephesus, and when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, and also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will pay him back for his deeds. You must also beware of him, for he strongly opposed our message. In my first defense, no one came to my support, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood by and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and save me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Great Prissa and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus, Erastus remained in Corinth, Trophimus I left ill in Miletus, do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you as do Prudence and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> Let us pray. Oh Lord, we wonder this morning about this next beatitude. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We wonder about that. What might that mean for our lives? How might we live a life such that we might potentially even endure suffering and persecution? Bless us as we Wonder of these things through these words to come, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Philip Kuhn could not have been more surprised 
94 years old, nearly 70 years removed from the war that he and his comrades had fought. He had been in the Philippines and had been one of the unlucky ones, the 78,000 78, of them who had been captured by the enemy and had been forced to march 65 miles on what later came to be known as the Bataan Death March. Tens of thousands of Allied soldiers and Filipinos had been left to die along those horrific miles but Philip Kuhn somehow survived, survived only then to be kept as a prisoner of war for almost three more years. When the war came to an end, Philip Kuhn was lucky enough, graced enough, he might say, to walk out from his prison walls and return home to his family in Oklahoma. Seventy years from that point, Philip sought to live the life he best knew to live. But what had been lost along the way were Philip's medals. He had not received his medals. He had earned them, but never got them. Three medals to be exact, the Prisoner of War Medal, the Bronze Star, the Combat Infantry, Infantry Man Badge, all his due, no one more deserving, but he never got them. The Army never got them to him. Seventy years, no medals, no recognition, no ceremony. Nevertheless, Philip tried to live his life in the same manner he served his country, and even as he climbed into his 90s, he became involved in an effort to promote understanding and healing and knowledge between the U.S. and its old enemy, Japan. He had flown over to Japan just this past month to join a healing tour between the two countries. He took no medals with him and brought no medals back. So it was a great surprise when he got off the plane from his trip to Japan and was greeted by a crowd of people in the Tulsa airport. They were there to watch Major General Rita Aragon pin on Philip Kuhn medals he had earned 70 years before in a land far away. And while his friends and family were grateful and Philip Kuhn was humbled, everyone there in that airport terminal knew that for this man, one of the great lessons of life had been learned a long time ago that when it comes to the living of our days, it's not about what's on your chest, it's about what's in your chest. It's not about the metal. Most of us are mindful that one of the great world leaders of the 20th century is nearing the end of his life. Nelson Mandela, former president of South Africa, perhaps one of the most widely recognized and celebrated leaders of modern times, is a man whose fame probably couldn't be more surprising. For it wasn't too, too long ago that Nelson Mandela inhabited a living space about half the size of some of our bedroom closets. For 27 years, Nelson Mandela had been detained in a prison cell eight feet by seven feet as punishment by the apartheid regime of his country allowed one letter and one visit every six months. For 27 years, Nelson Mandela had come to assume that that was the way his life would always be, perhaps even until the end. It was the risk he undertook long before when he made it his mission to speak out and act against apartheid policies of his nation and as he sat in that cell, he never knew that he would ever be let go. He didn't know that he would become the symbol of freedom for his people. He didn't know that apartheid would begin to be dismantled in his lifetime. He didn't know especially that he would become president of his country and receive the Nobel Peace Prize draped upon his chest. But for Nelson Mandela, it's not about what lies on your chest. It's about what lies in your chest. It's not about the metal. Makes me think of a young man who came into my office years ago in a former church. He was vice president of a hospital. It was a position to which he had aspired for many years. It was a position that afforded he and his family many things. It was a position that would grant him opportunity to rise even higher and to afford even more things to show his friends and his family that he had made it. 
All that was good until his boss began asking him to do some questionable things, some sketchy things, things that were over the line when it came to being right and honest. Something inside him, though, said no. Something inside him said that he had to blow the whistle. Something inside him said that there were things more important than what his paycheck said and what toys he had brought home. We sat and talked about it, and in his mind, he formulated a plan, a plan that he knew would result in the loss of his job. We prayed, and the next Monday, he put the plan into place, and what he expected to happen, happened. The company closed ranks, and he lost his job. The story has no fairy tale ending. He didn't get a better job as a result. He got a lesser job, less status, less money less toys. And as Joe was forced into these choices, it became his refrain both to me and to himself. He would say, you know, there are some things more important. It's not what lies on the outside of your chest that matters, it's what lies on the inside that matters. It's not about the metal. The second letter of Paul to Timothy sets itself up to be one of the last letters the apostle ever wrote. We don't know this for sure. Paul may have written more letters that do not, did not survive the march of time, but for sure one gains the impression when reading 2 Timothy that it's written by a man who is nearing the end of his life, and this letter is serving in a sense as his last will and testament. But for Paul, his last will and testament is not something that involves the disposition of assets. No possessions are going to be handed down by the apostle because he doesn't have any. He is likely under some sort of house arrest, perhaps in Rome, and he is realizing that the end is near. And what does he have to show for it? Paul's effort to live out faithfully what he believed to be the will of God for his life had resulted in his being shipped away from his native land in a prisoner ship, taken to Rome and left there to live and perhaps die in near isolation. Many of his colleagues had deserted him. He didn't even have a good coat for the Roman winter. And so he writes this heartfelt letter to his apprentice Timothy and leaves for him his last testament, his statement about what matters. At the end of the day, Paul says, Timothy, these are the things that matter. No mention do we hear in Paul's letter about the status he had achieved. No mention do we hear in Paul's letter about a gold watch. No mention do we hear in Paul's letter about a vacation home on the Aegean Sea. No, what we hear from Paul is this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And if there is any medal, he goes on to say in between the lines that will be given me, certainly it will not be in this world. It's not what's on my chest that matters, but what's inside my chest. Because you see, what Paul always had ahead of him was what he called the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness. And for Paul, the crown of righteousness had nothing to do with some sort of honor that awaited him or some special, you know, treatment he hoped to receive in heaven, some jewel for his crown. No, for Paul, the crown of righteousness was a life he was seeking to live already in this world, such that someday it might fit him in the world to come. A righteousness extended to him in Jesus Christ and a righteousness grafted not at the end of life, but over the course of life. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. For Paul, the blessed life of being persecuted for righteousness sake was a life of living now in the kingdom of heaven. 
You see, the apostle always had before him a point on the horizon toward which he directed himself. And no matter if the wind was from the east or from the west or from the south or the north or against him or behind him, no matter if life sought to buffet him off his course or sink him beneath his course, in whatever form the persecution may have taken place, Paul knew that the righteous life, the blessed life, came in the effort to stay on course aim for the mark, to fight the good fight, to finish the race, to keep the faith, growing into his crown of righteousness. Paul wasn't looking for medals. He wasn't looking for what he was going to get out of this life. He was more interested in what life was going to get out of him on his way toward the mark. So I suppose one of the questions the apostle, if he were here today, would ask us is, where is your life headed? What's the mark on your horizon? And for Paul, it wasn't enough for us just to say heaven. No, no, it wasn't enough for us to say that our earthly days are just a holding pattern for the big day. No, Paul would say today, no, today, what are your coordinates? Where's the mark? Because the winds will take you wherever they wish to take you unless you have set your course. And when you set your course, yes, the wind will push back. The buffeting will come. The gales will insist on a different way. But the blessed life is when you know that your life is about something bigger. When you have a course to keep. When you have a fight to fight, a race to finish of faith to keep. The baton we've been talking about this month, is it's something more than a symbol. It's something more than just a nice little stewardship metaphor. It is really the stuff of your life that we're talking about. At the end of the day, what do you want your life to have been about? Flat screen TVs, membership at the club, Lunch on the beach, improved performance in your stock portfolio, are these the things that will make up our estate? Will this be the legacy we leave for others to fight over? The medals that they will take from our chest? Or does the journey begin even now thinking of what is on the inside? to set the mark, to chart the course, to decide what is my life gonna be about so that regardless of whether later they speak of me or don't, I'll know that the way I spent my days now, the way I spend my talents now, the way I spend my money now, it was for the things that deep down I know that matter in this world and in the next. Maybe today is the day even to start that when you put that pledge card in that plate, maybe even to say that the number I've written down today, I want that to be the beginning and not the ending. And that maybe next month or the month after that it might become even something more, more and more a reflection of the fight I want to fight, the race I want to finish, the faith I want to keep. Permit me a quick and personal, very personal story. I was at a college board meeting this past weekend, and it is the custom of the board to have a trustee begin the meeting with a reflection. And so they had invited this man, Bill, an older man on the board, to get up and share. I didn't know Bill. I was rel relatively new to the board. And the assignment had come to him weeks before, and so he decided to spend some time thinking about, now that he was nearing the end of his life, thinking about what it was or who it was that made the biggest difference in his life. I was surprised to learn as he was talking that he had actually grown up in the same town in which I had grown up. Interesting coincidence. He mentioned a few things about the college, and, and then he said, but you know, when I think about the people who made a difference in my life, I think about a certain Presbyterian minister. And he went on to tell 
a story about this Presbyterian minister and the things he had done to help him, a, a young man, to become what he felt he had become today. He mentioned no name, just a litany. It was this Presbyterian minister that did this. It was this Presbyterian minister that did this, and on and on. And when he was through, he sat down, and the meeting began. And an hour, hours later, when the meeting was over, I went up to him and said, you know, funny thing. My dad was a Presbyterian minister in that town of which you spoke. He looked at my tag and said, McConnell, you wouldn't be Harold McConnell's son, would you? I said, yes. He said, oh my goodness, that was your dad I was talking about up there. You have no idea what a difference he made in my life. Now, as grateful as I was to have heard that story and as proud as I was to have heard that story, there was so much of me that wished he had heard that story. How I wished he would have had that medal pinned on his chest somewhere along the way. But then I realized nothing could be further from the point because it's not what's on the chest that matters. It's what's on the inside. The good fight. The finished race. The kept faith. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we are thankful, O oh Lord, that you give us the opportunity and freedom to live the life that you have called us to live, to finish the race, to keep the faith. We ask, O oh God, that as we bring these commitments before you this day, that they may be the beginning of a new chapter of living for you such that we may discover again the kingdom of heaven. This we pray in Christ's name, amen. While you remain seated, our ushers will come forward to receive your commitments and we will sing.
Will you please stand for the prayer of dedication? Gracious and loving God, you have done so much for us and you ask for our lives in return. We are grateful, O Lord, that you give us this opportunity to commit to the kingdom of heaven these resources and gifts that they truly might be used to advance your kingdom in the world, that the world might see through what we do, what we say, what we give, that there is a God of love who so loved the world that he gave his only son. So Lord, we commit these gifts to you, dedicate them to your glory and for your sake, that all the world might know that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. For we pray this in his name, amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.